Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Lewis and Ann are going a little meta and interviewing me, producer Shay Gunther. Besides helping to put this podcast together, I'm also the host of the Marijuana Today Daily Podcast, an industry news-focused show that goes out every Monday through Friday morning, as well as the weekly panel show Marijuana Today and the Weed Wonks, a weekly interview podcast focusing on marijuana legislation, regulation, and lobbying. I've been making marijuana podcasts for six years now, paying the bills with it for three years, and got started in legal cannabis activism way back in 1997, when I started what became the first chapter of Students for Sensible Drug Policy, all of which we cover today on the show. I know I couldn't be more biased here, but I think we have a good episode. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our conversation between me, Anne, and Lewis. Shay Gunther, how are you, my friend? We haven't talked in a while. Yeah, we talk it's every been... week, but <laughs> well, but we haven't had you on. Yeah, because I was on the show like the like really, really like right after when we first started working together. Um, so it's been like it's been over a year, I think. So what's new? Uh, everything. Uh, the, the world's falling apart. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's... my podcaster are going well. Uh, yeah, everything, everything and nothing and everything. Well, you know, we, we both work in the cannabis business, um, and the cannabis business has for the last year or so been really challenging, right? The, the public cannabis companies are struggling to raise money. Many of them are struggling to, to, to grow product at scale. You look at what's happening in Canada, um, you know, our business has been up. We've, we've lost a little bit. What has the impact of the, the downturn been on your business? I definitely was way more scared, I guess, for my future when, when Trump won, just like I was scared, more scared for the, you know, is there actually going to be an industry, you know, that I can, you know, survive in, um, after Trump won? I mean, I was worried for other reasons, but, but specifically, um, Right now, uh, it, it, it hasn't really, I guess, impacted my business. I mean, I'm, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of at the stage where it's mostly a, a one man show. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely have lots of people who make help make the podcast that, uh, you know, I'm involved with, but MJ today media is mostly just a, a one person show. So, um, I would say that, I mean, maybe, maybe I would have grown faster, you know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I, 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 like, I, I wouldn't say that it's had a, a noticeable impact on my business, but, um, but yeah, so noticeable with an asterisk on noticeable. When when we last talked officially about MJ Today Media, you had M Marijuana Today, Marijuana Today Daily, and us. Ha have you grown? What, what what's going on with the business? Yeah, so uh, so traffic is up every everywhere. Um, we have also taken on the Weed Wonks podcast. So last summer we started producing the Weed Wonks show uh, with Jordan Wellington and Andrew Livingston, and that show um, I would I would say it's kind of like Green Rush, but with a like a legislative lobbying focus. So they talk to you know the people who are um, in you know in the trenches making law, um, implementing law, you know making sure that people are following the law. Um, and 
yeah, it's, it was the first, it was the first show where, you know, we kind of approached it from the start where we're going to, we're going to start a show from scratch, you know, here's an idea and we're going to develop it. And I would say that we've proven, definitely proven the concept. It's, it's a fantastic show. Jordan and, and Andrew are great podcasters. Uh, they, Jordan, Jordan was good at podcasting from the, from the very start. And I, I kind of resent him a little bit for that. Um, <laughs> half joking because, because I was terrible at podcasting when I started. And, and I think most of the people on our shows were not very good and it took him a couple of shows and Jordan was just good right away. So, um, yeah, so he's one of those people that, that's just good at that. So, um, so yeah, we're, you know, my, I would say the business is still, you know, again, at that one person, one man or one person show operation level. And, you know, my, my challenge has, is, is to, to kind of bounce to that next level, you know, and to, to, you're, so. and you're not just doing cannabis, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it's right. Yeah. So I have four cannabis, uh, podcasts and one non-cannabis podcast uh, because uh, Lewis's awesome wife uh, Melissa um, uh, started started working with her uh, just at the end of last year on Eat Well, Travel Often, which is a podcast all about uh, travel and good food and and that whole world. So um, yeah, I get to say I'm not exclusively cannabis anymore. It's so. really fun. I just listened to the apple cider one or cider cider orchard yeah. which is different from an apple orchard fun fact go listen to the podcast yes <laughs> yeah I mean, melissa has a really good like really good sense of just like of of the right people to talk to and the right topics and she just she, she definitely pulls together shows really well and um and yeah so it's uh i think i, I figured I'd, i'm producing nine episodes a week um, of different podcasts now so oh, uh, my my yearly count is going to be is going to be pretty pretty solid how do you think in general um, the podcasting medium has affected the cannabis market, specifically looking at like investors? Like, are you seeing an uptick in like, you know, people clamoring for more information or you think it's like steady as she goes? I, I think that it's still so, so nascent. Um, you know, I mean, like we have a really good audience, but even still like relative, like, you know, there's just, there's just, uh, I think that there's not enough, there's not enough like really high quality marijuana podcasts out there yet. So that the, 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 the ecosystem is just, is, I can is, think is, of is kind of, so of small. them. Yeah. That, well, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, there's, there's can economy, there's the, you know, the leafly podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to start naming <laughs> he, some because I'm, he just but set like, you up for, uh, <laughs> I was talking about marijuana today, marijuana today, daily, weed and weed wonks yeah. and the green rush, but <laughs> shit, name all of our competitors. Go ahead. No, I mean, but, you know, but there's, you know, there's less, there's, I would say there's less than 10 quality, you know, marijuana podcasts. Um, yeah, uh, I agree with that. You know, and, and, and the number of people who actually like make a living off of it and, you know, monetize their podcasts are like me. <laughs> and and, <laughs> Seth, that, and Troy There's not that many people. So, um, so I, I am super excited to, I mean, I'm, I'm just super excited about the medium. I mean, podcasting as a, as a, as a communications medium is, uh, is, is, I think it's the best out there. It's, it's the most humanizing. I used to be a blogger. I definitely like podcasting. I, you know, I'll take one podcast listener over probably 25 readers any day. Well, I mean, I can tell you from my perspective now, having done 120 of these or so, I, I love it. I mean, it really gives me the breathing room to speak and to talk, but most importantly to learn 
from the people who I either want to work with and admire or work with and admire or just admire. Um, but mostly to speak and to talk. <laughs> well, and, and let, me, let me ask you, you two, because I mean, you guys are both communications professionals. Has podcasting like made you better at, at just talking, I mean, you know, just like um, just communicating with people, do you think? No, I still ramble like an idiot. No, I don't agree with you. I, I, <laughs> I don't I believe that at all. You definitely have gotten much more linear in the way you speak. And you're, you know, I, I see it. I, I can't tell for myself. I, I literally have no clue. I, I, I tend to think I'm relatively self-aware, but I don't know. I find it really hard to listen to myself. And whenever, you know, you're you're like, uh, this isn't like Anne on the therapy couch here, but like whenever you're like, did you listen to that? I'm like, I was part of it. I remember it. But listening to it is totally different. And I just have a really hard time hearing myself. I don't know how you guys listen to my voice. I listen to every episode, literally every I really do try to. It's just, it's for whatever reason, I, you know. When I'm in the conversation though, I definitely see it as different. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't always hear everything that the guest is, is saying, and I'm trying to pay attention, but you know, we script this out, right? We write out almost all of the questions. And even though we don't stick to the script and we kind of go left and right, you know, when you're in L.A. and I'm here, we are slacking each other, saying, yeah. okay, you go or yeah. I go or follow up here. or So it's really hard to pick it all up. And I love going back and listening to the episode and going, oh, wow, that was really cool. But then I also am so critical. I'm like, I should have asked this question or like, oh, this is a, an interesting thing we should have tugged on a little bit further. Yeah. And like, I, whatever, it's not, not going to be perfect. Well, and it's funny because there are times where I'll be listening to the podcast and I won't remember what I asked. And in my head, I will ask a question. And it's the same question I asked in the show. I'm like, oh, all right, at least yeah. that was the right question to ask. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, you, yeah, you do, great. you do the daily every single day. How do you find the 10 stories that you were going to put onto marijuana today daily, um, both for the, the newsletter and then for the podcast? How does, how does the story make the cut? I, I have a wonderful rhythm that I've, I've kind of figured out over the years cause I've, I've done, you know, over Eight, I'm coming up on 900 episodes. Um, so first thing I do is I wake up in the morning and I wade into headlines. What I time? Read, Wait, what time are you waking up? Uh, I'm getting up. Uh, my alarm goes off at five. Sometimes I linger. I have a very cuddly cat, so sometimes she makes it hard <laughs> to get out of bed. Um, but yeah, I, I, I work from home, so it takes me about you know five minutes, 10 minutes maybe from getting out of bed to sitting at my desk with coffee. And I start uh, looking at headlines and I probably... If, five to 800, maybe a thousand in, in a day um, of just headlines that I have to look at and I have to say, okay, is wait, this- wait, 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 you scan between five and 800 de- headlines a day. Yeah. So I have a just huge number of, um, uh, you know, Google searches and just different searches of, you know, direct RSS feeds of different sites. I have a whole bunch of, whole bunch of folders all organized in, in a way that makes sense for my brain. And yeah, I have, uh, yeah, I mean, a light day is, is 500. Um, if I, you know, if I sometimes on like a, a Monday, you know, if, if it's been a, maybe a busy weekend and maybe it's 1200, if I go, you know, take a couple of days off, it could be, you know, 2000. My brain though is able to look at those headlines and say, okay, that's relevant. That's not, that's relevant. That's not because from those. Yeah. So there's every, out of every 10, maybe one of them is relevant. 
So I, I parse, you know, five to 500 to 800 headlines down to 50, 60, sometimes, um, sometimes a little bit more headlines that are actually relevant, you know? So it's not just like, you know, two kids got busted. It's something to do with our industry or something to do with politics or something that's relevant that, that industry people want to read. That all gets done by seven o'clock, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern. That goes out in the newsletter. Uh, from then, I then call those, you know, 50 or 60 stories down to the top 10. You know, what's the most important 10? And it's it's been, it's remarkable because every single day there's been 10 stories and it's always apparent what's the 10. Like, like, really? like oh yeah, that's so a three, no, that's a two, never... that's a one. Like, I know exactly when I see a story, like, oh, yeah, that's a five, that's a seven, that's a 10 for sure. So you're using the rhythm method is what you're saying. Ugh, he was waiting for that. Wait, what is that? Just <laughs> don't ask him. The rhythm method? Like the, I, I said it was a real, I, I, I had said to Anne, here comes a really bad dad joke, and she just gave me this look like, don't do it, and I did it, and it was really bad. But I'm glad I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I know what the rhythm method, is, but I don't get the joke. But I'm. I'm sure when, well, once I look, go back and listen to it. You said you get into a rhythm <laughs> in the morning, and then oh, I said, oh, "Yes, I. I never said they were good jokes. I said they were bad Wait, dad I jokes." I said that like I said that like 15 I minutes I ago. Was that waiting, was so good. You were rambling. I mean, I mean, geez, it kept. He wasn't rambling. He was answering your question. Uh, it was a little bit of a ramble. I'm gonna go with a little bit of a ramble. You know, I'll get out of here. All right. So, do you get pitched? Do Do companies call you up? And say, hey, I want you to cover this story, or I want, you know, I want to be in the. <laughs> we do that. Well, we pitch him, but, but you know, do uh, other than me and Ann and Nick, do other PR people understand that that you're actually looking for news? So, well, first off, I get, I love it when people from KCSA like blind pitch me, like they don't like it's it's just because of you know I'm I don't in, love in the that process. Um, no, I love that. I'm like, Oh, th th this is, <laughs> this is the greatest thing. Um, I would say that, uh, no, I mean, I definitely, I get a ton of solicitations for on stories just in, in general. And that's, um, I mean, yeah, in, in media, I, I think if you, if you are in media that that happens, um, the way that I work though, um, I would say that the, probably the people who are most successful in like in connecting with me on that are when people are like, Hey, I wrote this story. You just went up today. I just want you to, you know, take a note of it. Um, that I, I like, I definitely appreciate that because, you know, I don't always catch like 100% of the things. So if someone has a good story and they let me know about it, then, then that works. And then usually I just put it right in, into, into the list. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's good news, it, I, I want it. So do, do you have, um, do you have like the top like two to three reporters who, you know, you're constantly using their stuff, you're constantly going to them and they're constantly getting it right or they're they're just doing really good reporting? Who, like, who are your uh, faves? Well, are I you, can guess. Yes. No, I can guess. no okay. this isn't a question yeah, to Lewis. Definitely, no. Lu 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 I'm going to let Lewis guess because that definitely makes it clear how clear I think the, the answer well, to this is. Well, I know one. Well, obviously, yeah, I mean Tom. It, yeah, it's Angel. Tom Angle, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's Tom Angel, Angel but Angel. I would say Sorry, Tom Angel. Angle or Angel? It's Angel, right? Angel, yeah. Um, I so yeah, so I would say it's Tom Angel, but I would say even like more days, like right now, like Kyle Yeager, who works for Tom. Um, so I guess it, you know, Kyle's guy, Tom, um, is like Kyle is just killing it, like he, like uh, like that guy. Must that have guy came like on the scene and just, he just cranks it. Yeah, he really does. The machine. And I mean, there's some days where like, you know, he has three or four stories, you know, on, on the day and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't, 
I don't want to be the, you know, the Kyle Yeager broken record, but like, I mean, the guy really does cover yeah. the news like, like no one else does. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Tom Angel, I mean, Tom Angel's, you know, the marijuana news, you know, godfather. I mean, he, he, he runs marijuana moment. Uh, he is like definitely the most journalistic news digger, you know, in the industry. Um, so, so yeah, marijuana moment is, is, is killing it. Um, Bruce Barcott over Leafly. Um, I mean, Leafly has a good editorial team. I think they just got trimmed up by their layoffs. I think, I think maybe I'd actually, I don't want to say, but I, I think a couple of their writers may have, may have been let go, but, um, I know Bruce, Bruce hasn't. Um, so yeah. And he's a podcaster too. So it's um, not often though. I see your, you cite like big mainstream media. Do you think that they just, they still don't get it or that there's, I mean, why not? Well, I mean, the, like the stories that they tell are like to mainstream audiences, you know? So they're like, they're, I mean, some, I definitely do it's cite them sometimes, but for like, then. for when it comes to like the, like really digging into the industry, like they're, yeah, they're, they're not really there. You know, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's really where the marijuana moments are killing it because they're just the mainstream media people aren't focusing on it. They're focusing on the bigger stories of like, oh, like, you know, this, this state might legalize or, you know, here's a big number from a big report, but they don't really, don't really, don't really dig. You know, we, we spent the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes talking about Marijuana Today Daily, which is your daily digest, but your flagship show is Marijuana Today. Um, how long has it been going on? Tell us about what the show is, because if, if, if people don't know what it is, it is, I, I, I think it is a must listen on a weekly basis, but what is it? Talk about it. Go. So Marijuana Today, uh, so Marijuana Today Daily is our daily show. Marijuana Today, confusingly, is our weekly show. And that's uh, that's an hour-long uh, weekly show. goes out on Mondays, and it's uh, it's like an examination of the top uh, the top three stories of, of the week. And we have a rotating uh, cast of regulars and hosts, and they're all complete badasses in the industry. You know, just, just people who are, you know, running companies and who are activists and venture capitalists and um, just, just, yeah, badasses. I mean, everyone on, on the show just knows what they're talking about. And every week they get together and they just create this magic. Uh, we've been doing it for... We started up right when Washington State legalized adult use. So um, we've been around um, for, yeah, for as long as uh, the industry's been been around. So, um, yeah, the benefit of being around for so long is that we built up a just a, a stellar audience. We got about 25,000, uh, 30,000 people now listening to the show. And uh, it's it's yeah, it's one of the one of the better, better things I've ever made. Well, you know, you have a rotating list of hosts, right? You've got Chris Crane, Dan Grassroots Goldman. Um, you know, you've had um, Taylor West, um, you know, Chris Lotlicker. Shanita Penny. Oh, we just, she's awesome. I love Shanita. She's we so We had a conversation cool. with her last week. She's, um, I mean, we know her. But how do you pick who's going to be the host? And how do you pick the topic? The hosts, um... Well, I guess I'll answer the topics first because that's the easier one. Uh, the topics are pretty much the the hosts uh, for the the week figure out what they want to talk about. You know, they take a look at uh, you know everyone is super dialed into what's going on, so they just you know say okay, what what what's the biggest story? What's you know the the two and three number two and three stories that we want to talk about, and then they generate up questions for everyone, and then it goes out so that you know everyone kind of has some idea of what's what's what everyone's going to be talking about. You know, at least a, a day or two before the show. 
Uh, in terms of who gets to host, so when we first started the show, it was uh, it was Chris Lotlicker hosting, and for for ah geez years, uh, it was just him hosting, and it got to it just got to a point where he just because his business life was uh, just pulling him away, we we're just missing shows. Uh, Dan, that's when Dan Goldman started hosting, and then I think I don't remember exactly when Chris Crane started, but it was not too long after that, just because we realized it was cool to have other people hosting. And since then, Chris Lotlicker actually just hosted his last show recently, and so now it's uh, yeah, it's Dan, Chris, and Shanita, and uh, it's it's a really hard job. So it's it's like if if you want to try to do it, like you, I mean. I guess you'd have to be on a regular on the show. You'd have to tell me that you want to do it. And then, um, then you got to do it. Um, so, um, there's a quest, there's a quest involved. There's a yeah. quest. You got to climb a mountain. How many rings does one have to get? <laughs> and do, do they have to go into Mordor and throw it into Mount 50 Doom? pieces of mana. Yep. Yes. Um, so let's, let's pivot a little bit. Uh, you know, the, I, I believe deeply that the industry owes its its livelihood today to advocacy and that actually advocacy today is owing a lot of stuff to industry. Your background is advocacy, right? You were one of the guys who helped um, found SSDP, uh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Can you talk about, just talk about that that beginning. Like how did that come about? What happened? All that stuff. Yeah, well, so I was in 1997, I was a student at the Rochester Institute of Technology and I had, I had really just started smoking pot. Like I didn't really, like I was a super nerd in high school. I got to college and I'm like, oh, there's marijuana. Sure. And, uh, you know, at, at the time I totally bought the whole line that, you know, dare taught us that it was this gateway drug, that it was bad. And I guess before I, you know, too, got too far into it, I decided I actually wanted to do some research, figure out if it was really as bad as they said. So was that, was that taste test research? Uh, no, it was, it was very early internet research. I mean, this is like the late late nineties. So I, I taste tested it first and then I'm like, Oh, I need to make sure that I'm not going to ruin my life here. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so I, I may have even had to go to the library. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, but then I figured out that it was all just a bunch of bullshit lies and that I, I have problems with authority and I've especially problems with authority that lies to me. So, um, that just made me mad and made me want to just legalize drugs. So, um, so yeah, so I, what ended up happening is I was at the, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. I just transferred there as a student. I didn't really know anyone. So I started up this pod club that kind of took off. And that was actually the first chapter, uh, that of, of students for sensible drug policy. We, we had a different name at the time. Uh, we called ourselves the Rochester cannabis coalition, uh, in that first year of operations. And then the second year, we actually changed our name to Students for Sensible Drug Policy. So, And if I'm not mistaken, that you that being involved in that got you in a little wee bit of trouble there. It did, Rochester. yeah. yeah. Um, what ended up happening is we had a very local organization um, that got into a very local dispute with the very conservative president of the university that we were at in Rochester, at RIT. And... 
I, you know, again, I have problems with authority and I just, I was really upset uh, over the fact that he did not want us to be like a stu- an official student organization. So he, he kind of pulled our application. He didn't let us be, uh, you know, kind of designated as an official student group, which would, it would just mean that we could like use like meeting rooms and like, I think we could like bring a bus to an event or something. Um, but, but because he said no, that just made me mad. So we, we kind of engaged in this, uh, really protracted battle with him, you know, over the course of a semester, just fighting that. And it all culminated in me being in the building where the board of trustees was meeting. They didn't want me to be there and they had campus safety, uh, kind of just surround me and tackle me to the ground and handcuff me and drag me out of the building. And, um, and then they kicked me out of school for two years. Um, can I just read? So, so this was covered in, in the, um, you got some press coverage around this, right? Can I just, do you care if I read my my favorite line of this? So, uh, a young Shay, Shay Gunther is quoted. RIT students are deeply concerned about the abuse of power. It's troubling that Billy Colhane would use campus safety as his personal SS troops. They are not finished with me. They have lost. They just don't know it yet. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, um, I regret making the, the, just the easy Nazi reference, but, yeah. but I mean, my, but yeah, they, they, they did, they did lose and they just didn't know it. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And then, oh, right. so, so, so that was the Rochester chapter, but it spread, right? I mean, it went to DC, it's gone all over. Yep. Um, what, what ended up, up happening is that, that next year after that happened, um, that was really, I mean, that was like early, early internet days. So like that was, I was starting to just kind of interact with people just, you know, through email mostly, um, just other kids around the, the country who were starting to kind of organize around this idea. One of the people, um, the first people in drug policy I met was, uh, Troy Dayton who run now is, I think he's heard st- of him. chief strategic officer at, uh, Arcview group. But back then he was just, uh, you know, 19 year old, uh, hippie activist, Troy. Troy, um, who, you know, I did thought he was cool and hair? we became buddies. Uh, he did. I think Troy did at some point, but I don't remember if he did when I met him. Um, I think, cause I've definitely seen pictures of him with long hair, but I, I think he might've had it short by the time I met him. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and so what ended up happening is it was, it was a lot of, um, there's a lot of kids around the, the Washington DC area. There were some kids in Massachusetts, um, that next year after he got kicked out, we held a conference and, uh, we, that was, that was kind of the first kickoff to the student drug reform movement. You know, we had all of these kids come together, uh, Chris Crane was part of the that, idea. Right? Uh, so I think Chris, Chris Crane, cause Chris Crane was originally involved with normal and I don't exactly know the timing. Um, he might not have been there that very first year. Um, Chris was involved very early, but I, 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 I don't remember, um, if he was there at that very first year, I, I mean, he was, he was there a year or two after, but he came out of normal. Cause I think he was working for normal and then, um, and then, and then, yeah, came, got brought into the SSDP, um, circuit. Well, and if you think about it, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot is that, you know, you, Chris Lotlicker, Troy, Chris Crane had a tremendous influence on the fight for, uh, medical and then adult use. Can you talk about the role that SSDP has played in the advocacy of getting cannabis as legal as it is today? The powerful thing about SSDP is the 
is the caliber of person that it attracts. And then it, then it, it kind of churns out after their involvement because it, I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's super passionate people who, who think they can change the world. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's a, a powerful, awesome thing. And, um, what ends up happening is, you know, when they're done, um, you know, some of them stay in activism, some of them, you know, go into the real world and do other things, but then some of them become business people and, and you know, like Troy Dayton started Arcview group and, you know, Chris Crane started uh, forefront. What that means is that there's all these just kind of activists, uh, activist evangelists out there in the world of legal business who their foundations were SSDP and, you know, solving problems and saving the world from, you know, this, this stupid idea that drugs should be criminalized. Um, th that's, I mean, that's the power of SSTP and the, the, the big impact, um, you know, Sh Shalene title is, uh, you know, with the lead regulators of Massachusetts, she is out of SSTP and, Massachusetts has as you know progressive uh, as a, a policy as it does because you know she was been pushing for it. Um, so um, that's that's a, the the powerful thing about SSDP is it turns out super smart, accomplished people who who know what the right thing to do is. This year we're going to see between six and nine states have legislation or ballot either legislation going through you know their their assemblies and and legislatures or ballot initiatives and up until probably 18 it, it's been a pretty consistent march forward you know we lost a little we, we won a little bit in 18 we lost a little bit in 18 what are your think your thoughts about what 2020 looks like from uh more states coming over to either medical or adult use uh, yeah, I mean, I think this year's going to be, going to be a big one. Um, uh, I, I mean, we just had Connecticut, uh, introduce, uh, legislation, um, I, I, was it yesterday or, or today? Uh, it, I mean, the, the tide is, is completely turning and, and the fact that we have, we actually have le legislatively imposed legalization that that's, you know, kind of on the horizon is amazing because the way that our kind of, you know, industry got started is by, you know, by, by ballot initiative. But now, you know, legislatures are starting to just kind of wake up to the realities of the world and, and to realize that if 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 they don't kind of write a system, then maybe their voters are going to are going to impose something that maybe is not as good or or yeah, or in the states where they just don't have ballot initiatives that they're looking at the tax revenue that's you know flowing over the states to to their bordering. That's their what that's what's that happening in New York. Right. I mean, Liz it's yeah, it's happening everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and anywhere there's a legal state, there are people going over that border into that state from neighboring borders. So you can that story is everywhere. Right. We've heard that. What is it? Forty percent of, of the sales in Illinois comes from out of state. Um, and that that would have to give the surrounding states like Indiana pause. I and I love that Illinois breaks down their numbers by by percentage of in state and out of state. That's the best thing. It's like they're just saying, yeah, neighbors, we're getting this much money from you every month. Yeah. Hey, thanks. What do you think the biggest story is going to be for the coming year? What's the thing that you, you're going to be like, I can't wait to put this in the digest and I can't wait to, to cover it on the, the weekly. Well, I think that like the, just the, the shakeout in, in, in the big businesses is, is going to be interesting. I mean, um, you know, I mean, just the, the, 
downturn in the capital markets has been has just been chaotic. And, um, you know, the, there's big news announced at Aurora today. You know, they lay, they're laying off 500. So um, there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of adjustments, I think, that are that are going to be made. And so, I mean, those are just all going to be super interesting storylines because, you know, out of all of these, you know, the fiery ashes is going to be some really successful companies. And um, I hope that they become my sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about that, what, you know, you have had sponsors on, you have had, you have, you have daily sponsors on, on, on both the, the, the weekly and on the daily. How does, if, if a company is listening to today, how do they reach out to you to sponsor and what are the benefits of sponsorship? Yep. Um, so yeah, and, and business development has definitely been the the thing that I've I've struggled with with do, doing the most. So um, no so, shit, yeah, let, dude. Let, let I've been trying be to help you right here. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, yeah. So well, the, I mean, the benefits of of sponsoring a podcast is that there's no more humanizing medium than listen to someone talk. You know, I, I would say even more than video because it's just listening. So uh, the engagement level with with just with the the listener as a medium is just off the hooks. I mean, people, people listen to podcasts. They care about what the podcasters are saying, are saying. So in terms of, of value and getting your message out to, to, to people, I mean, podcasts are where it's at and in, in the world of podcasts, where, where it's at. So, um, so yeah, we, we got the most listeners. Uh, we, and we know who our listeners are because, you know, we run dem demographic surveys. We pay, pay attention to all our stats. And if you think about it, I mean, who else is going to listen to a nerdy marijuana show, but a bunch of marijuana nerds. So, you know, the people <laughs> who listen to our shows, you know, and this one too, are, you know, they're, they're, the they're marijuana nerds. They're, they're, there are people, they're people who are, you know, in the industry, they're looking to get into the industry and, you know, if you have a marijuana company, that's that's who you're trying to reach. So we talk about talk about some of those numbers, if you don't mind. You know, how yep. big is the audience? Just break it down. Uh, yeah. So we we have uh, we have about we figure we have about thirty thousand listeners. Um, so marijuana today is our flagship show. That's you know that's been up for about six years. Uh, that you know gets about uh, twenty thousand, twenty five thousand on, on the more popular episodes. Uh, downloads uh, every every episode, um, which just a little bit of context. Um, if you have, I think it's like 25,000 downloads, you're in the top 2% of all podcasts. Like the, the average podcast gets like a hundred downloads per episode or something like that. I think less really? than that. Yeah. Wow. Um, there's, there's a lot of podcasts that no us. one listens to. <laughs> like if you have 10 people listening to your podcast, like you're doing something like it's, it's, it's serious. Um, so yeah, so, uh, um, I just pulled so, yeah, up so our we, stats and we just literally crossed a hundred thousand total downloads. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, and that's a huge number. I mean, if you think about, if you just think about, if you just think about a thousand people. If you think about what a thousand people would actually look like sitting in chairs, looking at you and listening, because that's really what podcasting is. I mean, it's it's all of those people giving your their attention to you and and and, and it's their weirdly time. intimate, right? It's like in your ear. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah. Like, one to many and yeah. a one to one conversation. Yeah. Right. Well, so, I mean, you guys are podcasters, like you've had fan interactions, I'm sure. Like what's, you know, what are those like? Have you been, have you been recognized by your voice yet? That's, that's I actually, I did have a fan interaction, um, with, um, uh, an awesome, uh, trainer friend of, of mine, um, in New Jersey. And, uh, we, um, he, he took a picture and I was all sweaty and gross cause it was after a class. But, um, but, uh, my friend John at, uh, critical mass, um, Hey John, if you're listening. I, I I wouldn't say. 
I go to a lot of cannabis conferences. Oh yeah, we get that. Too. Like, every, oh yeah, I've I've heard of you. I've listened to you. I listen yeah. to you. Yeah. Not yeah. I, I get the I listen to you, and I always, you know, we say at the end of every, or I say at the end of every episode, thank you for your time. I really, you know, appreciate. I it. say it too. I know you say, it. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it is a gift that these people give us that they're literally, literally listening to our voices and our opinions, and they get value out of it. That is an amazing experience. Whenever anybody says that they listen and they that they appreciate it and they get value out of it, you know, this this takes a lot of time for us to put together. You know, when it takes time to find the guests, to book the guests, to prepare for the show, to record the show, to edit the show. I mean, promote the promote show. the show. It takes you know, for uh, assume a show is an hour long, it probably takes between 10 and 12 staff hours for us, including your time, to put this stuff together and put it out. That's a lot of time, you know? And every time somebody says thank you, uh, as a business owner, it makes it all worth it. It really does. I mean, this is an expense for KCSA. This is not something that we make money on. Right now, we're not putting ads into it. We don't take sponsors. You know, nobody can pay us to be on the show. So this costs us money to put this out, um, but we do it because it helps us be better at our jobs. It lets us talk to interesting people. It gives us the ability to, to allow our clients to tell their stories in a non-compressed, breathable experience. So it's worth it to us, but it is a cost. And you are yep, very, yep, by the no. way, you are cost effective. <laughs> All right. That's good. You, know, you want to be at least cost effective. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, podcasting is, I mean, even more than the written word, even more than video for, for just communicating your message and getting people to hear just your thoughts. I mean, there's, there's no better way. We agree. I mean, we, we do. And, 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 and as some, if somebody is interested in becoming a podcaster, I would tell them do it. Just do it. I mean, when we started, Ann and I didn't know what the fuck we were doing. We didn't know what kind of equipment to get. We didn't know how to write a script. We didn't know how to do any of this. Um, it doesn't matter. It just, just do it, right? I mean, it, it is an opportunity to express yourself. Yeah, and it, it makes you a better thinker too. Just, just having yeah. to having having to organize your thoughts, having to organize like a, a, a tell a story each week. It, it definitely, I think it makes you a better operator no matter what well, you we, do. We get to put on our journalists hats and we don't do that. We talk to journalists all day long, but we kind of, and we're getting pitched. It's very meta, but it's really, um, really funny. I find yeah. it really funny. Yeah. Oh, wait, so I mean, wait, let me ask you guys about that because what is the experience like being pitched? Because so if, if for the audience, for those listeners who have no experience with this, when you're a writer or a content producer, you just get bombarded with these pitches from from PR agencies. And yeah. you know, some of the pitches are are better than others, but they're all pretty much like, "Hey, writer, I have this thing. Do something for it. Cover me." It. Yeah. yeah, and and now yeah. Lewis and Ann, because they are PR pros, they were always on the other side of it. Now they're they're podcasters. Yeah, what's it like being pitched? We 
Well, and we got put into, um, there's a, this big database called Cision, and we got put into the Cision database. So people, I think it's really <laughs> interesting to see the people who don't listen. Um, and, you know, we're not fans of mass pitching. We have to do it occasionally. Like, it, it just has to happen sometimes. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it's funny. And you must get that, too. Like, I'd like to have a guest on their sh- on your show. And you're like, I don't what I read headlines yeah. like I, yeah. I you know it's a 12 minute headline blitz um you know and so it's kind of interesting that you know people really I understand the frustration with PR people um but well and I wonder too like and, and maybe maybe I mean you guys can answer this like I mean it is there like space for for just crafting super close relationships because like I've, yeah there's I've been hit by so yes, many people who just totally. I can tell they definitely, they, they, they didn't listen to my podcast at all. And I just wonder like, why are you doing that? Why are you because taking that Because they have to approach? check a and box, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the reality is you, it's it, a time it's, thing. It's, too. It, well, it's a numbers game and it's a time thing, right? And uh, you know, you get 20,000 downloads an episode. We're getting 2,000, 3,000 downloads an episode. It's not like we have this massive audience. We have a really good audience and we have, a, if, if you're, in the business of cannabis, we have the right audience, but it's not huge. So it's easy to just press the button and like spray and pray. Like hopefully somebody will bite. And to be honest, we have booked a few guests that came across as pitches. You know, the CEO of Nug, that was a pitch. You know, they were smart. They sent over something. They had listened to the show. They said, we have this CEO and we have a really unique and interesting product. And I was like, I'm interested. I was interested. I was interested in the idea, um, and he ended up being a good guest. And we've had a couple other guests. Yeah, we definitely take them. Yeah, so we, it, so we it's love funny them, if, if if someone can demonstrate in their pitch that they've actually listened to my show. I'm like, I will listen to you. Like, if yeah, and it, you'll it, at least answer or take them seriously. Well, there are times when yeah, I totally. would do such a bad pitch that I will put my my you know my my boss hat on or my dad hat on and send the note <laughs> back to the the PR person saying, look. I know you had to send me this pitch. It's clear you didn't listen to the show. It's clear you have no idea what we do. Um, and here's how you could have crafted this pitch to be effective and send it back to them. And then they will try and come back and send it back to me with what I said. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. I was just teaching you how to do your job. You know? But it's like... But there are, there are actually now PR people who I have at other agencies who have pitched me that, you know... Jennifer Sodini, um, she pitches me well, and we've booked a couple guests from her. She's good, right? Um, I hope that our team is is as good as as some of the people that pitch us. They better not be as bad as the ones of the bad pitches that we get. I mean, those those drive me absolutely nuts. Oh, I love getting them from from either clients or former clients. <laughs> Let me introduce you to. I'll be right. We'll be. I'll be disclosed as to who. You know, we get pitched by the PR firm for Kush. All the time. Like, we want you to talk to Nick Kovacevic. I'm like, if I want to talk to Nick, I will call Nick, and he will take my call. But really, like, do you not know that when Nick has done the show before a couple of times, you know, it's clear that that just, for a PR person, if you are pitching a podcast, forget about anything else. Spend 10 minutes and just yeah, listen just to listen. the first couple listen of minutes of a bunch of podcasts. That's all you have to do. You don't have to listen to the whole thing, but listen to some of it.
Yep. I mean, that's what I say when, when, when people pitch me for things for the daily, I'm like, have you listened to the daily? It's, it's pretty much me just like being like my, do my best NPR impression for 10 minutes. Like there's Bullshit. no space you for do not, anything yeah, what sorry. you're saying. You are about as far from NPR. I mean, I love you, dude. And I listen to the daily almost every day. Oh, but, I said my best NPR impression. That's what I'm doing. Get out of here. Okay. Well, there's, but there's, there's, there, there is definitely cursing and there is definitely opinion about but it's, Moscow but it's all, Mitch. But it's all said in the same voice, you know? Yeah, my tone like, is totally NPR. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And there are definitely moments where you go off in that NPR tone on Trump yep. or, or McConnell or, and it's just like, I'm, I always laugh. I always laugh. Well, I... You know, like, I mean, I, I feel like I have a responsibility not to bullshit. And when it comes to things that are extreme, like Trump, I'm not going to pull any punches. I mean, the guy is an impeached rapist, criminal, corrupt asshole. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm going to talk about him like that in, in, in my coverage. So um, I do too. Yeah. Look, it, man, it's always I... fun when people, when people bitch about that. Do you get a lot of people bitching about that? Not as, not as much. Um, it, pretty much like every, like whenever I, I get to talk about Trump a lot less now, but like in the, especially in the fall, was, for some reason he was just popping up in the stories a lot. And yeah, it'd be, people would send me emails or they leave reviews. Um, and I just, I have no, no patience for him. I just, I, I tell him what it is. And I'm like, <laughs> nope, you're no. Like, so um, yeah, those are fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, yes. Anne wants to wrap up. She just said, no, no, you, no, totally, just, you just totally gave me the wrap it up signal. You're like, wrap it up, wrap it up. All right, wrap it up. I was going to, yeah, that's fine. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Shay, is there anything else you want to touch on? Well, I, th- I thought we were going Joe Rogan three hours here. There's no oh, fucking we're way. We're talk about elk. We are not, we are not on. Joe Rogan. <laughs> but, but we do. We, on we're a Friday, you don't want to stay around? So have, <laughs> I got two. We're going to do our two questions, right? The same. We're going to treat right. you just like everybody else. So I'm going to ask you about failure, Okay. Because you have built um, your company into, a, even though it's a one-man band, you know, it is a successful one-man band. Um, but, you know, to get to success, I'm sure you had to fail a lot. So can you talk about a failure that helped shape you into the success you are today? Yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm uh, built on a, on a mountain of failure. Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I, th- I think I... I counted i've started up like nine entities and i think i forget if it's either four or five of them have have been successful so i'm about about a 50 percent ratio which isn't terrible um i would probably say my biggest my most instructive failure was i was in my early 20s and it was actually right after i started up renewable choice energy which is this big um, renewable energy company i started um, and I kind of struck out on my own and I started up, um, what was going to be a kind of marketing and, um, graphic design branding agency for the kind of environmental world, you know, focusing on the green world. And, uh, my problem was that I just, I thought I knew everything and I didn't know anything. And I just had a pretty spectacular year where I just, I burned through a lot of money and I just, I just fucked up and I made tons of mistakes and kind of had to slink back home, just kind of a little bit crushed and destroyed. And I learned a lot of things about just like what it means to be a business, what it means to have a business, what, what, yeah, what an actual business is like, what, like what you have something that's sellable, that's defendable, that, that, that only you can do all those things. Uh, yeah, was all learned in that 
huge giant fuck up in my 20s. So that was my biggest one. So the second question, on, thank you. The, but what was the lesson you learned? Like, what did you take away from that so that you, you didn't fuck up again like that? Uh, so I guess I'm probably uh, to, to know what my strengths are, uh, to, to play to those strengths and the things that I'm not good at to, to get help at, because that's, that's what I didn't do. Um, well, so no, you can't know everything. No, no. Yeah. And I, and I totally thought I did too. Um, so, so besides just figuring out, yeah, that I, I didn't know everything is, and, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've built, I mean, I've built MGA today media around a hundred percent around the things that I am really, really good at. And that is something I, I, I didn't do earlier, just building it completely around something that I know I can do better than anyone in the world every single day, you know, in my sleep. And that's, that's what I have built my, my kind of life now. What's the media missing? You read a thousand headlines a day. What's the one that, that you don't see? Other than that, the Green Rush is the greatest podcast in the history of the world. We'll never see that headline. We'll never see that headline. <laughs> yeah, geez, this is so funny because like, I, I listen to this question every single episode when I edit, and I, I guess I've never really thought about what that myself. Um, I know. Well, so I guess I would, I would like to see more Kyle Yeager's like I, you know, I, yeah. I guess I get, I get tired of the fact, well, not tired of the fact, but it, it's just, it's ridiculous that there's, that there's so few people who are really digging into this industry. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would just like to see more, uh, focus and coverage from mainstream media where they're actually, you know, they're, they're throwing someone at the industry and, and having them cover it like, you know, like Kyle is and like Tom is and like those guys are, because it shouldn't just be marijuana moment who are really digging stuff up. You know I mean? Washington Post should be. So more, more of that. So Shay, where can people find you? Uh, they can't cause I hide. Uh, no. <laughs> where can people find your podcasts? They How can. About? So, um, yeah, so they can, uh, so they're MJ not going to your basement in Maine. <laughs> you now owe us at least $6 cause that was six shows <gasps> in a row. What? Wait, I was saying so. Yes. Okay, you guys have been saying so all episode long. So I just say that. Oh, you know, and I'm not the interviewer too. I am. I'm allowed to say so. We don't have a <laughs> right, script. I do better. Yeah, when I'm not. This is completely inside baseball. But every time either Shay or either Ann or I says so, Shay Shay gets pissed. Well, it's a, it's a it's a podcaster habit to start a question with so, and it's not just you guys because every single person that I make podcasts with, I have to to say it, and it's something that I have to do too. It's just it's a it's a it's a habit and we answer it too. It, so, so yeah. Um, what was the question? I forget the question. one. <laughs> so where can people find you? So that's right. Um, the funny answer. Well, so, on purpose. so MJ today, MJ today, media.com is, is the actual company site. But if you want to listen to the podcasts, it's MJ today, daily.com, uh, and MJ today podcast. And then Green Rush is greenrushpodcast.net, but you don't need help finding that because you're listening to it. Um, and then Weed Wonks is, is the other show. And um, here's where I will point out the funny fact that I own a media company that is not engaged at all in social media because I think social media is an evil cancer on the world. So um, <laughs> I'm definitely losing some money there, but, uh, but I'm also a uh, kind of a principled fuck. So, um, so yeah, so you can't find us on social media. All right, we man. I love that about you. I totally, yeah. Uh, and, and if Ann and I haven't thanked you for making us better at this, you know, we've been working with you now for more than a year, um, and we are definitely better at what we do. Um, the show is just 
better done. Um, so thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for, well, thank you for, for listening and for, yeah, just for, for doing the work. Thanks for listening. As always, send hate mail to greenrush at kcsa.com. You can find us on Instagram at the... <laughs> I, know, I, I forget. Know, I, know, I, know. I don't have it in front, I don't of, me. Have it in front of me. And either. there's two. They're two separate. Which is you the know dumbest what? fucking thing ever. You know what? You know how to find us on Instagram. You Ugh. know how to find us on Twitter. Outro fail. Outro fail. Um, but we're sticking with it anyway. We're not going to do it again. Um, and as always, thank you very much for giving us your time and listening. Time is the only thing that is completely finite in your life, and that you choose to spend it with us is something that we never, ever, ever take for granted. And with that. One, one take, take Shay. Shay. One, one take. take. <laughs>